One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast that shines light on our guests' lives through the lens of the stories that have bound themselves to their memories. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest today is Dustin Hapley, better known simply as Hap to most, including me. Hap's a former engineer, producer, and host for WGCU Public Media, where we make this show. He co-created Gulf Coast Live with me and Ryan Warner in 2004. Ryan is episode 116, by the way. After several years in Fort Myers, Hap moved to Tampa, where he worked for WUSF Public Media, then WMNF Community Radio, and finally iHeartMedia. He and his wife Karen and their two cats recently left Florida for Chicago, where he now serves as Director of Technical Operations for Entercom. I had a great time working with Hap, and we have remained close ever since, and since this is where it all began, getting to do this now is really cool. Yo. Yo. This is the first time I haven't started the show with saying, hey there, person. (laughs) Hi there, person. (laughs) Because, yo, that's what I used to say every time, still to this day, when Mm -hmm. I walk in this door and I walk down the hall, a little part of my brain remembers walking around that corner and you sitting there at your desk and me saying yo and you saying yo and then heading down toward where my office was. Every day. Every day. For years. And that was like 15 years ago or something. Yeah, almost exactly 15 years ago. That's back when. (laughs) 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 That's what you used to direct Sound Off with Sasha. I did, among other things. (laughs) (laughs) Which was my first taste of uh, a radio show, uh, sitting in here with you sometimes, helping out. Yeah. Um, We didn't have Gulf Coast Life yet, or live. Yeah, no. then. So yeah, and it was no these, Ryan Warner yet. No either. Ryan Warner yet, and it was these studios. It was this room that I'm in, and that room that you're in. Yeah. So welcome, looks almost the same. Welcome back. The table is more soundproofed now. Remember before you would hit the table, it had carpet on yes. top of it, and it was metal. And if you hit it, it would <laughs> it would resonate like a gong, which is exactly what <laughs> you don't want for a radio studio table. No. So yeah, it's come a long way. It has. It's very pretty. Okay, well, we'll get more into that uh, later stuff. I just wanted to, as we were talking before the show, I was like, I got to start with a little sound off with Sasha. That was her theme song, by the way, listeners. It was a radio show of a woman named Sasha. She talked about politics. She talked, it was like a national show done on a local channel, right? Yeah. Every Friday at two o'clock for an hour. And she would have all these big name guests, like former CIA agents and all this stuff. And she was very politically active. And we were just saying, like, I don't. I'm sorry, I don't know what ever happened to her. Yeah, no, I don't know, I don't know either. Uh, it's been a while since I've even thought of her. Actually. Yeah. Um, so anyway, okay, so let's get back into where we're supposed to be. Yeah. So uh, you grew up where? In Springfield, Illinois. Which is where the Simpsons came from. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yes. Um, so how close to Chicago is that? That's about two or three hours south. It'd be like going to Tampa from Fort Myers. Okay. And it was a pretty small town. Like Chicago is, you know, very progressive and big city-like. But the rest of Illinois is pretty cornfields and, you know, soybeans and cows and very kind of rural. And even though Springfield's the state capital, it's it's got about 100,000 people. But it, it feels like a small town. It's not – if you don't know somebody – it's probably like Fort Myers in this way. If you don't know somebody in there and you've lived in the area for a while, you probably – oh, you're Bob's sisters. You know, you can play the, the Kevin Bacon game. And so, yeah, it was uh, – I mean, it's a nice place to grow up. Land of Lincoln. We had Abraham Lincoln everything. Same town the whole time, like all through yep. high school, everything like that. Yep, born uh, and raised till so I was 18. How would you characterize the musical background of that time in the place, in the world? So I grew up on, my mom would listen to what at the time was called an oldie station, but it was a lot of like 50s and 60s, like Buddy Holly and the Beatles and stuff, and the Mamas and the Papas, that's what she was into. And then my dad was into jazz and blues, so everything from... B.B. King to Miles Davis and, you know, Santana and other rock rock bands, too. But it was kind of a divergent how was How was music played around the house? And was it played often around the house or was it more of like when you're in the car going somewhere? No, no. They would definitely play it around the house. Um, 
records at first and then of course CDs and tapes and all that stuff came along. I my dad was into Jimmy Buffett, so there was a fair amount of that at the hmm. time. He was kind of big. Um although I learned years later that he had the greatest hits tape that he would play. And one of Jimmy Buffett's songs is called Why Don't We Get Drunk and Screw? And of course he didn't want me to hear that. So for years he had fast forwarded to that. And I heard the song later and I was like, I never knew this was a Jimmy Buffett song. I was like, yeah, I would. When you were in the car, I had to fast forward. How would he know when to stop? It it was uh, in the old days of of uh, cassette decks in the car, you could usually hit the button and it would fast forward just one and it would stop somehow. I don't know how it figured Must it out. Must have heard the silence, I guess. I guess, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're radio people. We could sort the engineering of that out. Sure. Um, uh, so what was the first music that you glommed onto? Um, I guess it was like the Beatles. That was probably the first thing that my mom played. Um, one of my first concerts was John Denver. I was maybe like 10 may have seemed lame at the time, but man, I wish I could have seen John Denver. Yeah, it was good in <laughs> retrospect. Um, they took me to see Victor Borga, the guy who... He's a piano player? Yeah, he, but he was kind of like a comedian piano player. Yeah, okay. And he had this bit where he would read a, a, like a paragraph and he'd do the pronunciation with his mouth. He'd make these little, you know, kind of noises at the end. That was kind of funny. It was very, like, slapsticky kind of stuff. First music you owned... Oh, I think one of the first tapes I had, I'm ashamed to admit this, um, I think it was a Millie Vanilli tape. <laughs> hey, you and me both, man. <laughs> yeah, I think that was one of the first. Everyone had that. I probably had some new kids on the block and Debbie Gibson. And, you know, it was, it was the 80s. That was that was what you what you had. Did you make mixtapes? And if so, did you ever make, make them in, in hopes of wooing someone? You're about that right age. Oh, yeah, there were mixtapes. You know, when I got a little bit older, like high school, yes, you would, you would make the mixtape for the girl and, and give it to them. When I was younger, I would, like, record stuff off the radio, you know. You're like, oh, I have to wait and see if I can catch that song or whatever. Huh. Um, musical instruments being played around you? My parents are not musical. They don't play any instruments. I started taking piano lessons when I was about five. Was that their idea? Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, it probably wasn't your idea. You probably weren't like, probably. I'm five, mom, can I play the piano? Right. I, I think they wanted me to do something musical or hope that I might be into that. My, I, I think my mom played the cello in like high school or something, but it was not, she didn't stick with it ever. Um, yeah, so I played piano. And then when I got to be, I don't know, sixth grade, I don't know, when does the band start in school? Like, band, yeah, sixth grade, middle school would yeah. be where band comes in, more than just music class, like when you're in elementary yeah, yeah. And and I, I thought about being a drummer, and my parents were like, no, that's not happening. <laughs> You're not being a drummer. Uh, and then I, I started playing the saxophone, and I did that through junior high and high How school. How did I not know that? You didn't know I didn't play the saxophone? Did I, do I know that? I, I don't know. Did you ever, I feel like, like I must have mentioned it at I mean, some point. I mean, the only time we would have been around a saxophone would be with the Cowses. Did you ever end up like playing a cow? No, I don't think I knew that. No. I think this is like T-I-L hap. Saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I played the the Barry sax, the big one. So, and I was in the marching band and stuff. I would like march with the tubas and the whole get up. We we did the last when I was in the band. We went to Tampa and we did the Outback Bowl as part of like this big halftime show with all these other high schools. And it was the last game in the old Sombrero Stadium up there before they blew it up and hmm. made it a parking lot for the new one. And you were like, I'm going to live in this town someday. I had no clue. <laughs> no clue. Um, uh, so did you ever like do the jazz band? Because I know there's oh, like yeah. the band and then there's the jazz band, did which are like the, the higher level players usually, right? Well, maybe. I mean, <laughs> were you pretty good? I mean, I was all right. Yeah. There weren't a whole lot of Barry Sax players. So I think that played into it. And I was also in, there was like a show choir where they would, you know, dance and sing and do the whole like choreograph routine. And there was a little band for that. And I played in that too. And you can read music then? I can read music, yeah. I'm really rusty at it nowadays. But. Uh, what about your piano playing? Because I know back in the day you used to play keyboards and whatnot. Yeah. Are you still doing that these days? Not so much anymore. I really should. I had a piano that I never touched that I just gave away because we're about to move. So Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I recently re- inherited a piano, sort of. Oh, yeah. Um, real quick, I just got to tell the story. You'll sure. appreciate it. So. Um, Guy that I know that was on this show, his name's Stephen Britton. He uh, works for the Lee County Elections Office, but he mm-hmm. has in his house over off McGregor a full 
42 rank pipe organ. That was in a church in San Francisco back in the early 20s or something. Is it like built into the walls Built or into the whole garage and everything built into oh, the wall. Wow. The guy that owned the house before him had done that, and he kind of inherited it. He's got the walls filled with sand so he can play it and not bother the neighbors. Wow. So he puts on Facebook, free piano if you can go get it today or tomorrow. <clears throat> Condo downtown, being refurbished. Mm-hmm. Lady had passed away. The, the contractors were just going to destroy this piano if somebody didn't come get yeah. it. Yeah. I go pick it up with Sven, you know, you know Sven. <laughs> yes. uh, we almost kill ourselves getting right. it into the house because even a small piano it's heavy. is heavy. Cast iron. Cast iron. And so I get it in there, and I then start kind of looking into it, and it's got a serial number on the back. And as you know, pianos, there's a yeah, pedigree, history. Yeah. you know. It was, it was made in 1915 or 16. Oh, wow. In a, in a, where, a, a place up in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And it had a sticker on the back of this little um, music house in West Palm Beach that was there in the 20s and 30s. And somehow it had wound up in this lady. She was a piano teacher or something. So now I have it in my house. It's older than my house. That's awesome. And it's, it plays. Yeah, this one was old, too. I don't know where it came from either, but it you know, we just gave it on to somebody else. Well, you else. should start playing again because... You, the, I, I should. You, we, we'll, we'll get into your playing later. Let's get to your first <laughs> song, though. So uh, this is the Pearl Jam song first? Yeah. So uh, growing up in a town where, like I said, it, it was... If you didn't know the person, there was the, some connection pretty much everywhere you went. And, and my mother was a teacher and a principal, and so she had interacted with a lot of the families in town. And my dad had grown up with the people who became the mayor and stuff like that. And so you couldn't really get away f- with a whole lot. Because, um, you know, I was Frank and Debbie's kid, and there wasn't too many Happleys running around. Right. Um, and so I decided very early on, like, if I'm going to be my own person, I got to get the hell out of here. I can't just sit here and, you know, there's there's guys I went to high school with, and, and no disrespect to them, but they're probably sitting on the same bar stool they're going to be sitting on for the next 20 years, and I didn't. I knew for me that I would kick myself, and there's nothing wrong with living in a small town and having a great little life. That's I think whatever makes you happy, you should do. But for me personally, I was like, I can't, I can't just stay here. I'm going to feel like I got stuck, and so I had to get up and get out. And so uh, yeah, there's this Pearl Jam song which has a super long title that I'm probably going to screw up, but um, it's elderly woman behind the counter in a small town, and it's kind of about this interaction of a guy who who got up and out and the thoughts of somebody who didn't kind of thing. I think I'm summing it up. I don't know. Um, when you were listening to it at the time, I mean, was this a song that you heard that helped fuel the departure? Yeah, for sure. It, it, I'm not sure I totally knew what I was feeling until I heard the song one day. Cause it came out around the time that I was getting to be high school age. And I'm like, what am I going to do with my, your life? You know, my parents were kind of those were like, well, you gotta, gotta have a plan. You gotta, you know, you can't just uh, flounder. And I was like, okay. So that's, uh, I heard the song. And I was like, yeah, that, that kind of sums up what I'm, what I'm feeling. Well, shall we listen to it? Sure. How do you say the name of this album? I'm not a Pearl Jam guy. I don't remember the name. <laughs> well, it's just it's VS. Is it verses? Is verses. It VS? Yeah, I think most people but, say so verses. So you say verses. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, you got the title right. The elderly woman behind the counter in a small town by Pearl Jam from their 1993 album Verses. So when presented with this show idea, was that an easy pick? Was that song that immediately left to mind? Did you have to go find it? Uh, this was the third song that I came up with, and it was the hardest to pick. There was a couple I was like, okay, yeah, this one and this one for sure. And then the third one I was like, ah, oh, this is a good one, that's a good, you know, so it's, there's a lot of them. Was there a fourth that you can just relate real quick? Um, there's a Billie Holiday uh, version of Duke Ellington's Solitude that I really like, and it's kind of one of those, like, when you're not just, when you're feeling a little down, you kind of listen to it, and it, it's... It's melancholy also, so you would think that it might bring you down farther. Sorry, as I just whack the hell out of the mic. Um, but it doesn't for me for some reason. But you asked about specific memories, and I couldn't attach like a specific memory that wasn't just, right. you know, horrific or, you know, this is – I don't think this is supposed to be a bummer. Yeah, <laughs> it's no. like this song is kind of a bummer <laughs> song. So, um, uh, 
what was it like listening to it now? Because you know we're in here kind of reflecting, so you're yeah. kind of you're kind of reliving like you know I'm in that kid. Am I going to get out? Now here you are. You're like getting ready to be moved to Chicago, and you yeah. you got out. You've been around. How's it feel? You know, it's it's nice. It's when you, when I listen to it now, I can think of that time when I wanted to get out, and now I feel like I've reached a point in my life where I've kind of proven a lot of the things to myself or to others or however you want to put it. Um. I feel like I've succeeded somehow. Like I don't know how I how to say it more specifically than that. It's just like you feel like even though, and I I almost feel uh, guilty about it because right now the world's kind of going to crap. But I have some things going on in my own life that I'm really excited about. So it's 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 a tricky balance because you I, don't want to be too like yay I got all this new stuff going on and you're like oh yeah and uh, yeah. the world's going to hell in a handbasket yeah I, I, that resonates with me a little bit <laughs> I think um, uh, that's the first Pearl Jam we've had on this on this show really it's like 135th episode that's like 400 songs or something and we haven't had Pearl Jam see that's another thing that occurred. I was like oh that's too much of a poppy song no. and, well and what it, it's to be honest I miss Pearl Jam, as you know, because yeah. of Moxie Fruvis. I missed all of that entire <laughs> era of music. And so, and I've never really resonated with Pearl Jam because yeah. his voice, I just don't really like his, his, yeah. his approach. Sure. <laughs> but that was the first time I really listened to that song, or even really Pearl Jam, I think, yeah. through good headphones intently. Mm-hmm. It was pretty good. Yeah, he's pretty good. <laughs> There's some as you get older, like Bruce Springsteen, I didn't like as much when I was younger, and as I've gotten older, I'm like, oh, that guy's got a, he's got a point about a lot of stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you ever see Pearl Jam? Seems like you no, know, I've never seen him live. Huh? Uh, you've been in radio for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, how? Why? Let's start there. How'd you? Was that where you'd intended to get? Um, you know, mark your path from listening to Pearl Jam and wanting to get out and winding up working in radio for decades. So, when I was a little kid. Your parents, quite often, they'll put music on or something at night. And my parents, for whatever reason, they put on old-time radio shows. Oh, right on. From like the 40s and 50s and stuff. And so I kind of got – that kind of got my radio bug going. And then uh, I think when I was, I don't know, Boy Scout age, you go to the radio station and take the tour as kind of part of the thing. So I was really into that. I was like, ooh, this looks really cool. And then – I was into audio in general when I was in, I think, the sixth grade. They had like a little TV studio, which now is very common to do the morning announcements right, stuff. Right, right. The back, AV club kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how, that's the kind of nerd I was back then. Yeah. Um, and so I, I don't know. I just gravitated to the audio portion of it. So when it was time to, to, to pick, you know, a college to go to and stuff, I just kind of went to that. And then I hoped that I was going to – um, go on the road with bands and do like live what they call front of house, which is the guy in the middle of the audience mixing for the crowd. Um, but I graduated from college in October of 2001, uh, which was obviously right after 9-11, and all the tours and everything had stopped. Like the traveling was not happening. And so I remember this one guy called me from one of the companies that applied for. He was like, look, you seem like a nice kid, but I had to lay off all my regular guys because there's no tours right now. And so instead of number 10 in the stack, you're number 110 in the stack. And um, when I was in high school, I had gotten a part-time job at a radio station. And I was like, okay, well, maybe this is a a full-time career. I got that one uh, just by answering a classified ad in the local paper. Wow. Yeah. Like a like a print ad, a print ad. Yeah. Back how they used to fund newspapers, right? <laughs> <laughs> Back before the business model broke yeah. for newspapers. I think my dad saw it and he knew I liked audio stuff, and it was better than like the Office Max or something I was reading at the time. So he's like, "Here, go try this." And so, how long before your first job in radio after college and me meeting you here at WGCU? So. Okay, so I had the part-time job before college. After college, I was broke, as most people are. So I went back and lived with my parents for a little while, and I got a little full-time job there. But then, like, that, what we were talking about from that song kind of kicked in. I was like, oh, if I stay here, it's just going to... So I said, screw it, and I moved back to Orlando, which is where I'd gone to college. And I worked there in a pizza joint for, like, six months, and then I saw the job down here hmm. and drove down. <laughs> so I drove down for the interview... The station manager at the time was a guy named Gene Craven, mm-hmm. and uh, we went through the whole interview, the whole day. It was most of a day. And he's like, go walk around the campus for a little bit. What Come year on. would this have been? Uh, 2003, I think. 
think. So, uh, so you weren't here long before I got here. No. Okay, because I got here like uh, April of '03, I think. Yeah. Or no, it was summer. It was the, I did the summer, summer internship, so I got here in June. Okay. Right, and I started like close to the beginning of the year, I think. Okay. Okay. Continue. Yeah. So. Um, I came back after my walk around campus, and he's like, okay, we'd like to hire you. And I was like, great. So I get in the car, and I drive back to Orlando, and I'm feeling like on top of the world, and I get a flat tire. So I pull over and change the flat tire, put the spare on, and I'm like in a suit, you know, changing a tire. And I keep driving it all the way to Palmetto, which is almost to Tampa, and the spare blows. And I'm like, great. And so I have to call some friends of mine and call friends of mine and call friends. You know, somehow some guy came and risked me on the – but I thought, like, should I not take this job? Like, is this yeah, a sign? Am I being warned away? <laughs> right. Like, you get two flat tires in one three-and-a-half-hour drive. This is maybe, you know. But, huh. no, I came here and it worked out. And it was great. Were you – was public radio completely new to you? No, I'd known uh, Car Talk and Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. That was, like, the two things I knew about public radio. Um but the rest of it, I had no clue. Morning Edition, didn't know what that was, all things considered. Nope. Um, but I pretty quickly realized, oh, this is like good radio. And and I would say to this day, even though I've I've gone back to working in commercial radio, public radio content is is in a lot of cases, I think, a little more thoughtful and, and put together than, than some of the other stuff. A little bit more? You just well, said it's a yeah. little bit more. Yeah, yeah. I have to remember where I still get my paycheck from, yeah. so I have to, I have to be nice. Have to be uh, nice. Do, you, do you miss it? So real quick, we don't need to spend too much more time yeah. on this, but yeah, so you were here, then you were at USF in Tampa, yep. and then you went back into commercial. Do you miss public radio like in, on any level? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, if, if um, I've applied for jobs at NPR in Washington, like if I could work there, that would be, would be really cool. Um, if anybody's listening. Right. Um. My friend Brian Jarbo is the mixer for Morning Edition, so most mornings when you're listening, he's the one doing all that. And uh, I've got to sit there in the room and watch him do it for a couple million people. It's it's cool. That would be a, that would be a cool job. Huh? Um, so remember when we record? Well, no, I want to back up real quick. Yeah. I want you to confirm a memory for me because I've told this story, and I'm pretty sure it's true. So, <laughs> so when I got here, you are who gave me. I, I came as an, as an, as an intern. Uh-huh. You are who gave me a tour. I think that's true, yeah. We walked into the performance studio, uh-huh. and you explained how it was called the performance studio, but no performing had ever been done there. Not in my time, that yes, was true. not in your time. And it was right around then that I told you that I was approaching it more as an infiltration than an internship. Absolutely. <laughs> I said those I, words I re- to you. Yes, I remember And you looked at me like, who is this schmuck? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, my first impression of you, not to be rude, but I was like, this guy's really old for an intern. Like, because you're t- well, cause what, I was. 10 years older than me, I think. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> let's see. It was 2003. I would have been 31 as an intern. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I just turned 21. So, yeah, we're, we're almost exactly 10 years apart. Uh, so, yeah. So, anyway, the reason I teed that up is because then we have since recorded lots of music oh, in there, yeah. including the theme song that is still used to this day <laughs> for Gulf Coast Live. Can you just talk to us real quick about like that whole experience? Sure. So, let's see. Your girlfriend at the time, uh-huh. Samantha, played in a band, and future baby mama. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's all very true. Um, and so, yeah, you rhythm were, culture. It was still rhythm culture. It's called rhythm point. culture, and you had by meeting you. I didn't really know anybody in town because, like you said, I had just gotten here. And so you introduced me through the downtown scene, through a place called the Liquid Cafe. I've and heard of it. You've heard. <laughs> uh, all the cool kids did at the time. And, uh, you know, met the, you know, the, uh, the musicians and the poets and the artists and the writers and the drunkards and the rest of the crew. And, um, and so, yeah, for whatever reason, we decided, okay, we're going to have this new show and we need a local band to do it. And they were either the most willing or the most available or maybe both. They yeah. were just like, you should do it. And they came up with this thing. And it, we stayed – I think it took two or three Saturdays we came in here and we just and – it, And it turned out pretty good though. It did. But we didn't know what we were doing, like any of us. We were just like, oh, well, yeah, we're going to make a theme, show to, theme song to a talk show. This will be fine. Here, I'm going to play a little bit of it. Okay. I remember it started with a ding and a bass riff. Yeah. Carrie played that ding. Yes. Let's say, you, don't you still use it? Yeah, I, I'm going to a different <laughs> folder. I'm, I'm assuming it's in this folder, but um, it's apparently not in this folder. Oh, you can edit that in later. No, no, we'll just leave all this in. Okay, here it is. It's the right folder. Mm-hmm. 
from WGCU News. <laughs> this is Gulf Coast Life. Man, we're, here with, we're here with Hap today. <laughs> I don't think I've heard this like in this way in. Yeah, we're gonna. It's only a minute. We're gonna play the whole thing. Yeah. Ken Ken Kaler playing Kaler, that, yeah. that riff. Andy Johnson on the drums. Yeah. Miko on the bass. Mm-hmm. Was Dave here too? No, the, Dave, Dave was not on this track. Little little. Little breakdown in yep. the middle. That's a tasty lick. It is. First is sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it took us a lot of takes to get it the the length right. Exactly, because you had to dial that into a minute, and then yeah. there's even a thirty second version for the promo. Yep, which is not taken from that. It's an entirely yeah, separate a, thing. Yeah. yeah, there was even like a slow version. Remember, you made a slow yeah. version. Oh, you remember Miko's uh, the button? The little yeah, the little bass rip. Let's, let's, let's play the button. He's still playing the bass. I, I figure he's meant to play the bass. Um, okay, uh, so speaking of recording, let's get to your second song. Okay. <laughs> so obviously uh, meeting all these various uh, sorts of folks, um, there was a lot of partying and whatnot going on at the time. And Good times. Good oh, times. great times. Great times. Probably... Don't tell my wife, but probably one of the best parts of my life, you know, yeah. those few years. And I was there. It was, it was good for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and so the, the two places you kind of hung out were, uh, it was either the Liquid Cafe downtown, or sometimes there was this house, and you'll have to remind me what corner it's on. Um, it's on 2nd Street as you're heading out of downtown, right as you turn into the Dean Park Bend. It's on the left, just next to the apartments. And there's this, our... our right on the corner, a little white house, still there today. Does it still have the pool? Uh, no, they've filled in the pool. <laughs> it was an above-ground pool. And it, it was, was an above-ground pool that looked like somebody, it was like homemade. Right. <laughs> and eventually <laughs> a mos- yes, a, a mosquito pit as well. It, is had, what it, turned it had lily pond, lily pads in it. It did. Um, so yeah, if you weren't hanging out downtown and partying, you were usually at this guy Bob's house. The porch. Yes, yeah, everybody called it the porch. And I'm sure it was a lovely house at one point and probably is again now, but... Uh, the carpet had been ripped out. There were holes in the walls. The plumbing didn't really work anymore. Like it, it was the it, animal house, party house, it, it come had, to life. It had fallen apart. It had holes in the roof. When he bought it, it was, it was good. That <laughs> <laughs> was all just the result of the yeah. madness. Yeah, as a result, it was definitely. Uh, but it was such a, a fun scene. Yeah, and you could go there at any hour of the day and night, and there would be somebody there doing something. And or, big TP in the side yard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll at all hours of the day and yeah, night. Yeah, And most people had jobs, and they would get up and somehow go to their jobs. And I lived in the sunroom of that house, the Florida room of that house oh, with wow. Sam. That's where I was oh, sleeping yeah. when I started my internship here. I remember because that. we had just decided not to move to, to Colorado mm-hmm. uh, so I could take the internship, which turned out to be a good decision. Right. And um, and we needed a place to live short term until we found our next house. And so we lived in Bob's Florida room. Well, so like I was like trying to fall asleep so I could go to work at WGCU. <laughs> and they were out there partying, playing like the Rolling Stones at four o'clock in the morning. Right. Loud. Yeah, loud. The cops came a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But they kind of just got to the point where they're like, oh, yeah, hey, guys, yeah. Uh, could you turn it down a little bit? Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> So, yes. <laughs> so one of the, the characters in this scene uh, was a guy named Dave Cowan. Dave, 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 as we usually called him. He's who made our theme song for this podcast. Oh, okay. Listeners of this podcast have heard his name in the credits 135 times. Okay, so <laughs> this is one of – Dave is one of those guys who he can play any song, you know, give him 10 minutes and listen to it, and he can probably play it back to you. A lot of Bob Dylan and stuff. And, and he's got like four or 500 songs in his brain. Oh, yeah. He's the perfect, like, you know, sit him up in the corner of the bar and with his guitar and you'll have a good time. A lot of ween and some other stuff. Ran the open mic at Liquid. Oh, okay. And so uh, one day, Mike and I, for whatever reason, decided we were going to record a bunch of Dave's songs. And he had this one called Beer, 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 which is about partying. And so we set up at this place, the porch. We showed up, if you remember, without telling them what we were doing. We just walked in with recording gear. 
and there was a football oh, game happening. Yeah. And we just like, hey guys, we're gonna go set up back here and start recording. And everyone's like, okay. <laughs> and you'll hear some people, yeah, yeah. woohooing. It's in participatory. It. <laughs> it's a participatory song. So this seemed like the a good summary of my good times here in Fort Myers. Okay, well, yeah, this is Dave, Dave, Dave playing beer, 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 which he, as he tells it, uh, he didn't write it. It's a song that gets passed around by you know bar musicians up around Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Okay. Um, and this was recorded because we still have the original files. This was the final files were saved on December sixth of two thousand six. Oh wow! It's so, like right before I, I moved. I think that's what I wrote down. Yeah. Yep, December of two thousand six. Okay, uh, this is taking you to the porch, uh, Bob Seashore. Which, by the way, oh, yeah. rest in peace, Bob Seashore. Yeah, uh, the man who was behind the porch, who gave all of himself to everyone, which is why his house was so destroyed. In a nutshell. Yeah. Uh, great man. Uh, we lost him earlier this year. Well, I used to chew tobacco because it gave me a kick. I'd spit wherever I would go. My friends all got sick. Won't you try something different? We'll all have some cheers. Said, come with us tonight, Dave, and we'll go drink some beer. So now it's beer, beer, beer. I can smell it when it's near. And it's beer, beer, beer. Oh, let's go drink some beer. Well, then I ran into this dude. He had like really long hair. Like an old girlfriend, I couldn't help but stare. He said, Now listen to me, Buster. There is still some hope. He said, Come with us tonight, man. We're gonna smoke some dope. So now it's dope, dope, dope. Without it, there's no hope. And it's dope, dope, dope. Oh, let's go smoke some dope. some pills you know and something he called coke well we snorted and we dropped and then i had another toke there was mdma and there was lsd and damn my head felt weird so by and by there came a time when i went back to beer so now it's beer 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 i can smell it when it's near Dean at the end of that one. <laughs> then we're going to go to the bar, and then we're going to go to another bar, and then, yeah! Oh, such a simpler time. <laughs> <laughs> the guy you heard yelling at the M was Jim, I believe, who he referenced earlier in the yes. song. Oh, what a And they probably time. Are, were, all were alcoholics at the time, but that's all right. It was yeah. a good time. It was, uh, yeah, it was it was uh, good times. And we did a lot of that, um, that rogue recording with Dave. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's that yeah. one, that, that remember that one crazy video I have on my YouTube channel that starts with the cat and he's playing Queen oh, yeah. Jane approximately by, <laughs> by Bob Dylan. And then finally, after like half the song of staring at the cat, I moved the video over and it's you sitting there next to him holding a mic <laughs> to his face. You're literally like a, a mic dress stand. shirt or something. Yeah. Yeah. No, those were fun times. He had another one he made up while we were recording him called Kosher Hell. It was uh, this uh, no, weird little... Uh, I'm going to Kosher Hell. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's all these weird things about eating, like, hamburgers with cheese and stuff <laughs> like that. He also did bong hits for Jesus. Yes, he did. That was one of his when many Nina, hits. When, that, uh, when the Supreme Court decision came down, and it does, the video for it starts with Nina Totenberg saying <laughs> the words, bong hits for Jesus. <laughs> uh, we were pretty creative. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> or really high, one of the two. Well, it's all at the same time. <laughs> um, uh, so you played with Rhythm Culture and then Pond. Yes. And so was that the only band you've ever been in? Yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah, that was really the only band I ever played in. Um, I tried to play with a guy in Orlando once, and he was a lot better than I was. And it was right. very clear immediately, like, yeah, this is the guy's not... He didn't have you time were able for to like sidle me. right up to Pond and Rhythm Culture. So P- Rhythm Culture became Pond. Yes. Um, do you remember when... This just popped in my head. Do you remember when we left Miko's wedding reception uh-huh. in the middle of it to go watch the season finale of Battlestar Galactica? <laughs> <laughs> 
we're in this beautiful part of the mountains. Yeah, we're in like the leaves were, Yeah, the leaves are changing. It's beautiful. And Mike or I, uh, excuse me, can you postpone your wedding so we can go nerd out? Yeah, Thank you pardon, very much. pardon me. We have to leave for one hour. We will be back. <laughs> and then we came back. The ceremony had already happened in our defense. Yeah, it was the party. Yeah. And we played uh, we played music after that, if I recall. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Samantha gave me like Willie Nelson braids because I had big, long, like Weird Al Yankovic yeah. hair at the time, and, and that was great because that was like that whole group like migrated up there for the wedding, and everybody yep. was in cabins and everything. That was good times. Yeah. Um, laser light show. Remember when you guys did the laser light yes. show at the planetarium? Yep. Yeah, that was. We played that and. Burt's Bar out on Matt Lachey. Oh, yeah. You guys used to be a regular out there. Yeah. And then what was that place next to what was the French Connection? It went out of business very quickly. It was the big... I think the lady who owned it squandered oh. it up her nose, if I'm honest. But Yeah, I don't, I don't even remember. But we, we played there a lot, I recall. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway. Anyway, yeah, good times. <laughs> um, uh, peak concert experience in your life. Oh, um, I saw a Radiohead once in Tampa, and it was like a, a spring evening, and it was there was not much of a crowd, and for whatever reason, they were really into it that night, and it was a really – Tom York, who's very reclusive usually, he talked to the audience a lot. Um, I've seen Monco Franti several times, and those are always really good. Like the, He comes out in the audience and stuff. So. Last one you saw before we stopped having them for a while? Uh – I, th- uh, I think it was Michael Franti, but it, it actually might have been this other band we're going to hear in a, in a moment, um, Carbon Leaf. They played in Tampa. This one it was like a Wednesday night show or something weird, and they don't usually come around, but they they stopped there. So it might have been that band, actually. Hmm. Um, uh, Broadway musicals, things like that, do you guys ever go to see those? Uh, we have. I've seen Rent and Phantom of the Opera and that sort of stuff. Actually, my wife was um, forcing the kids to watch Hamilton last night. That oh. was what... <laughs> have you seen it? Yes. Not all the way through, but I've seen big chunks of it. I'm still remiss. I still haven't seen it. Like, I, I can see it now. I recognize the, that it's good, yeah. but it's not totally my speed, if I'm honest. Yeah. Uh, Gwen, honest to goodness, and this probably won't surprise people because that's how the kids are, she can sing every single word yeah. to every single song a cappella in her head. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just right in there, which is cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like it's kind of like high art meets common art in a yeah. way that re- resonates with 12-year-olds and 60-year-olds some 60 year olds (laughs) better that than justin bieber in my mind (laughs) yeah absolutely absolutely um how do you listen to music these days do you have to listen to a lot of radio listening because of your job i do i I listen i try to listen to all the stations from time to time uh some of them i like better than others based on the music they play but i do a lot of that um i listen on my phone in the car like on the way here i'll put it on shuffle um i listen to satellite radio i kind of I love all sorts of music. So uh, on the way here, I listened to the pop station, the rock station. Um, Did you happen to discover the programming change on 93X? uh, There was a man talking there at one point. This week, 93X, the rock station, flipped formats. Oh, I read about this. The Trump Trump country. Trump country. And it's kind of like Bob FM where they have the one voice doing Uh the interstitials. And it's a Trump impersonator. How do you feel about that as a branding move in this time and place in the radio market? Uh, in this market, it's probably smart. Um, is it intended like in seriousness or as a like? Are they putting him on? Have you listened no, enough to no. know? No, I haven't listened enough to know, but I'm pretty sure that that's not the, what they're going for. <clears throat> I, it's a it's a bold move to be <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah, I mean. It, it, so where I work now, we take ads from both candidates, you know, equally. We don't really weigh in um, as a business, at least. Some of the people we have on obviously have have opinions on it. But, um, yeah, that could be okay or it could, you know, or you could, you know, make half the population mad. <laughs> yeah, or a, th- a third down here um, yeah. or a f- 40%. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you said you put it on shuffle. Does that mean you have files on your phone? Because I know you're old school like me, so I still have files on my phone. I'm not like Spotify 
I have I have files on my phone. I also have the Apple Music thing through my phone, so I I use that a lot. It it'll it generates these playlists of some of it stuff I know and some of it stuff I don't, and I I kind of the one thing I don't like about streaming is that y- you music discovery is not as easy as it is like when you listen to the radio and somebody decides to throw new tunes on. You can very quickly get into this like I hear the same twenty five songs over and over again. So I try to just kind of let the machine offer up new things. You know, it's interesting, uh, now that I think about it, I, I joked about it on the most recent recording we did a couple days ago, that the last five people now who I've asked, and it's mostly because they're younger, mm-hmm. um, do you listen to music on the radio in your car uh-huh. with a radio station? And they all looked at me like I, they, like I was crazy. Yeah. So just FYI for for what you do as a living, <laughs> the younger people are like, why would I turn on the knob thing? Like, oh, I, you my, know what I mean? My kids are the same way. I have a an eighteen and a nineteen year old stepson, and they don't, you know, like <laughs> I've put a roof over their head working in radio, and they're like, what? And when they do, they listen to one of the competing competitor stations. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, and what's interesting is, is what you just said is sure algorithms. You know, I, I guess in some ways uh, a Spotify or a Pandora algorithm is similar to the programmer who's mm-hmm. putting music on. But yeah, you know, it's easier to, you're not going to stumble across something in the same way that radio would happen. And what I really liked about radio, and I don't know if I was even conscious of it until it stopped being so like used as widely, there's a simultaneity of it. You know what I mean? Like everyone listening to that song on your station right then are doing it together. And that's kind of cool in a, in a weird, like, strange philo- philosophical way or something. When I was a kid, they used to sync the, like, 4th of July fireworks to, like, the radio. And so you would go downtown or to the lake or wherever they were doing it. And you, the whole thing was bring your radio and tune it into whatever the station was. And, and yeah, so you were all kind of doing the, – the whole town was doing this thing kind of at the same time, which is huh. – yeah, you don't really get that when everybody's in their earbuds. Yeah. And the other thing, um, uh, um, the Alliance for the Arts, mm-hmm. uh, Theater Conspiracy, Bill Taylor – yeah. Um, one of the things he was dreaming up at the beginning of the whole pandemic was get a little FM radio transmitter, do the use the outside backstage, park cars, and then oh, sure. mic up the actors, and then do like drive-in theater. That's a great idea. Actually. I know. I had forgotten. He called me and asked me how to do it, and I sent him some links of like what to look into. Right. I should follow up with him because it's not a bad idea, right? Oh yeah, no, I think that's great. Anything you can do in your car. I mean, there's a. There's a ton of things you can do. Have you sung much karaoke in your life? No, I'm I'm uh, I'm not really into the karaoke. <laughs> Have you ever done it? Like, you ever been roped into it? Uh, the closest I could say I got is like a group sing of Journey at a bar. But no, I I would yeah. You were not singing in pond or rhythm culture. No, gotcha. No. Um, what about dancing? Not really into that either. If yeah. I'm honest. If you're at a wedding, is Karen going to get you out there? Or does she even care? I think she just knows that like that's a lost cause. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not even wasting my time asking you. No, I mean like for a slow dance or something, sure. But just like uh, get out there and wiggle your arms and legs. <laughs> if I if it's like a big group and I can be in the middle, but otherwise I'm just super self conscious. Like, yeah, no, I you everybody's I, looking at me. You and I have the same gene when it comes to that. Yeah. Um, if you were a championship wrestler, what music would you come in on? Oh, that's a good question. It's one of our new ones. Uh, <laughs> there's actually a, an 80s song that I like, or maybe it's from the 90s, that popped up the other day. It's a Joe Satriani, the extremist. It's like this big 80s, like, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that'll work. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. If we, will you sing any? Do you have any TV theme songs committed to memory that you'd maybe sing if, if, with me? I mean, I'll do it with you if I can. We'll even pull it up on YouTube. Like if you got do something I in know there. One? How did the Battlestar Galactica theme song go? It was very um, orchestral song. It, yeah, it was. Let's uh, just listen to a little bit of that to fill this niche on the show. Today. Okay. <laughs> I think it was some sort of chanting, wasn't it? The ones that are coming to mind at the moment are like Will and Grace, which is a piano, and like the Seinfeld theme song, and that's just a bass riff. I know that Charles in Charge, they sang Charles in Charge several times. They do a lot of, there's a lot of Charles in Charge in there, yeah. Oh, it gives me chills. I need to rewatch this. 
<laughs> I tried to get my kids to watch it, but they're like, eh. I've, I've, I've rewatched it one full time, and I've been holding off my next rewatch. <laughs> yeah, I can't sing that. Ship coming in, and then the. Is this supposed to be words, or is it just? I always thought it was just chanting. It is basically just chanting, I think. Oh, that was such a good show. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Oh, it's time for your third song. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we call a segue, boys and girls. Yes. No, I just um, I, I I hadn't thought of, I hadn't thought of it in a while. It brought back good memories. Okay. Okay, so third song. Um, so the reason I left Fort Myers uh, was for a woman who is now my wife. Um, we got together almost exactly the same time as your daughter was born. So basically my relationship and your Guinevere are exactly the same age. Um, and so this was in 2004, right? She was born in 04? Uh, she was born in... Uh, oh, three. No, she was born in uh, 2005. Okay, 2005. March 14th, 2005. Okay, see, it's, that's a long time ago. Yeah. It's not making me feel old, Mike. Um, <laughs> in any event, um, she and I got together, and it was kind of, you know, she had two kids from a previous relationship. They were three and four. When I came along, they're 18 and 19 now, and I was, uh, I think, 22 23. You were just a baby in retrospect. Yeah. And so it was, you know, she very rightfully said, hey, you know, I got kids. Either you're in or you're out. And that was kind of heavy for a 22-year-old to be like, okay, I guess I'm playing stepdad now. But it it all worked out really well in the end. And so uh, kind of what you were asking earlier about mixtapes and stuff, we started trading CDs back and forth and songs. And she actually introduced me to this band. They're called Carbon Leaf. I think they're out of Virginia. And they did, uh, years later, some of the, I think it was the second Curious George soundtrack or something. So you might recognize the voice if, if you have kids. Um, and the song is called Life Less Ordinary. And um, <laughs> our life has not exactly been ordinary because we, we kind of dated in reverse. We started with the kids and now the kids are out of the house. And so we're going to go off and be like, you know, young couple together even though we're yeah, yeah, not so that's, young that's anymore. Interesting, yeah. Um so yeah, this is kind of about you know, meeting somebody and going, I don't know if this is smart or stupid, but I think we're supposed to be together. And that's kind of how our relationship has been. Um does this was this an easy pick then? Was this song? Was it you know yeah. was it not not only this band but this song? Is it kind of your y'all song? We have two. I would say this one is one, and the other one is uh, "Eleven Fifty Nine" by Michael Franti. But that one, this one, I thought was more appropriate because it it was one of the first ones, and um, it came out basically around the same time we got together. So it kind of, you know, I don't know, it fit more. "Eleven Fifty Nine" we we came to love from going to his shows together, and actually we plan to get a, a tattoo of that under our on our wrists or wherever she decides to put it to. That'll be some representation of the – obviously, you can't put uh, your partner's name on you because that's the kiss of death for any relationship if you're not familiar with this uh, this old wives' tale. But, um, so yeah, we thought we would get, like, the time on each other. So it we know what it means, but it's hopefully not going to <laughs> lead us to break up or in that superstitious kind of way. Uh, well, let's hope. Okay, uh, this is uh, Life Less Ordinary by Carbon Leaf from their 2004 album Indian Summer. I can totally see you guys dancing around the living room to that song. Oh, yeah. You it's okay to, in the living room. It's just not in public. You ought to, and uh, when you listen to it, when we, you guys listen to this podcast together, you should dance with her. And then she'll hear me talking uh, about it now, and it'll be like, oh, oh, but now I've done it. Because yeah, you, you don't yeah. do it. Oh, I've screwed you, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to listen to it in the car. Oh, that's hilarious. Um <laughs> You mentioned what you said they did the soundtrack for the Curious George. Too? I think I think the second Curious George. I think I want to say uh, 
Who's the other guy? Jack Johnson. Yeah, well, because I, 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 I listened to the shit out of what I don't know if you, I, it's funny to say that about a curious George soundtrack, <laughs> but I listened to that first one a ton. Yeah. Uh, but this has that same kind of feel. This music has that same kind of flavor, I, I feel like. I think what attracted my wife to them first was that they do have a little bit of Celtic y kind of yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. on other songs that's heavier than that, but yeah. What's the, uh, the Celtic y song, the band that you guys would go see at Skipper's? that I came up and saw once. Oh, Enter the Haggis? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They're from uh, Canada somewhere, and they're pretty good. They come around every once in a while. What was the last show you saw at Skipper's? Uh, that actually was Carbon Leaf. Ah, what yeah. a great place to... That What a great venue. So they played up to... There's a noise ordinance there because it's outside and it's kind of near a neighborhood. I think they have stopped at like 11 during the week, and this was a weeknight show. So they played right up to that second, and then they came down off the stage, and they're like, okay, everybody get around us. And they played like two or three acoustic just kind of you know in the round there as we all stood around. And then, you know, shook hands with everybody. This is back when we could still do that. And that was the end of the show. It was, like, it was really cool. You going to miss Skipper's? But I guess you're going to Chicago, so. Yeah. So, yeah, bit bittersweet. Skippers will always be, yeah, it's great. I'm, I'm convinced, though, that, um, you know, when the hurricane comes, that guy's going to take the insurance and right. <laughs> fly off to whatever island he's going to live on. I saw Dan Byrne there. Did you come when oh, we, yeah. we saw yeah, Dan yeah. Byrne there? Yeah, that was he's great. great. Um, and I saw him once, speaking of being a sound guy, I saw him the first time at a little place in Gainesville called Common Ground, a little, okay. little coffee shop. And... He was so pissed off at the sound guy <laughs> for the first two songs. I mean, he was out of his mind mad at this sound guy. Yeah. And so finally he was just like, screw it. And he just unplugged everything and said, everybody come closer. Come close. yeah. And the, the bass guy had a little amp, but everything else was acoustic. And it was great. I mean, talk about a great show. Yeah. I mean, one of my biggest regrets is I had a camcorder, one of those old. Remember that one mm-hmm. I had that it was like a, like a handy cam or something? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I asked uh, Dan Burns' manager, because I'd actually gotten into a conversation with him, if it would be okay if I recorded it. And he was like, okay, go ahead. And I recorded that whole thing acoustic from right there in front of him. Nice. And I lost that tape. Oh. I never even got to see what it was that I filmed. It's probably good. Oh, it would have been so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, uh, band or musician you've most recently gotten into? Um most recently gotten into uh casey musgraves oh yeah she's a female country singer i've heard of her makes me think of varmints she has a song called slow burn that i think you would like that it's 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 a sometimes a song is just a thing of beauty that song is a thing of beauty what's it called slow burn okay i'll check that out uh when was the last time you bought music that had a physical form oh it's been years um don't really remember. So it's been it's been long enough. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, you know, in ter- in terms of like the digital world, when I was searching through my memory banks to prepare for this, I remember the very moment I was in your car when you had an iPhone. That was the first time you were like, "Check this out." Yeah. And it was a satellite. View, it was a Google Maps view, basically, uh-huh. and it was moving along with us. And I was like, "Are you?" F- kidding me <laughs> like we're in the future yeah you know what i mean so yeah and i guess you know we are in the future now oh yeah so it, it's streaming everything i mean i have some music on my phone just because you know the signal doesn't go everywhere sometimes but does the terrestrial commercial radio world look to a future where they're not going to be relevant anymore or do they think that will that always be relevant i think public radio is a different slice but what yeah. about you know you know making music show up in people's homes and cars using fm radiation you know i think probably the the fm and am technology will disappear over time and they'll just be you know you'll just have a cell signal in everywhere on yeah. you know at the top of the mountain or whatever and so it'll be apps is probably what it'll be ultimately that seems to be the way the industry's going so yeah it'll we'll still produce the same content yeah yeah it'll just get to you in a different way i, I can remember being as shortly after you left in a meeting that we had with like the advisory board and stuff mm-hmm. where i presented to them this idea that one day you're going to get be able to get like internet radio in your car basically yeah. and they all kind of looked at me like i was crazy oh, that's totally true <laughs> yeah clearly um uh, if you were a cocktail or drink of some kind what would it be i really like an old-fashioned yeah mm-hmm. anything uh different about it that would make it the happily because we're compiling a recipe book oh i see um 
know. It's kind of hard to make an old-fashioned better. Well, you can put it in a particular kind of glass. doesn't really matter. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Blueberries instead of cherries. How's that? Perfect. Thing? Um, what kind of stations are you going to be? Real quick, just you're doing what in Chicago? You're going to be the chief engineer for uh, some stations? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be in charge of uh, the intercom stations in Chicago, Milwaukee, and Madison, Wisconsin. So I'm going to oversee kind of all the technical parts. How many it. stations is that? And what is the scope of what they broadcast? Oh, okay, so um, in Chicago, there's two AM. One is a news, and one is sports. And then there's a, a rock station, a country station, like a top forty. And what's the oh the the fourth one is like a throwback uh, hip hop, so like nineties, mm. you know, that sort of stuff. Uh, and then there's three in Milwaukee and three more in Madison, which I admit that I have not internalized what those are yet. That's okay. Not I focused your, on the big ones. Not so, your yeah. job quite yet. Not quite um, yet. A uh, band you would call is close to your favorite if you had to pick one. Or Ooh. music, musician, band, musical act. Um, I guess probably the Beatles, yeah. Album you've spent the most time listening to. Probably Led Zeppelin three. Hmm. Um, album you would choose if you can only have one ever again. Oh. Um. Miles Davis, kind of blue. Huh. Yeah. You know what came up on the recording we did a couple of days ago was remember when we had Dave Brubeck on the show? Oh yeah. In this same studio that we're sitting in right here. I got to go pick him up from Sanibel and drive him here. I drove him dro- from Sanibel. Oh, then maybe I drove him home. Maybe you drove him home because I had the white van and I went out and picked him up. That's right. Oh, yeah, you picked him up. And we I didn't know who he was. Who, yeah. You didn't know who he I was? I didn't know who he was. Oh, yeah. I mean, I knew he was somebody who played jazz that people admired, but it wasn't until after Ryan Warner interviewed him that I was like, holy shit. I drove that guy. You know, yeah, I, I, I living been, legend. I should have been nervous instead of just talking to him like some guy. Yeah, he probably really appreciated it. Probably, you know what I mean? Because we yeah. had a really nice chat on the way in. Um, okay, musical memories. I have one of my all-time favorite <laughs> musical memories involves you. Have okay. it was when you played the organ at the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> And we're going there. Oh, I, Jesus. I don't want to take too long, but I'm going to tell the quick version of this story. Oh. I'm not going to name any names, so we'll leave it generic. Yeah, please. But Hap was asked to play the organ <laughs> accompanying a violinist. By somebody's mother, we By somebody's say. mother yeah. for a wedding uh-huh. that we knew the people that were in it. I was not qualified to do this. It should be said up front. He, he, he was underqualified, and the musician that they got, the violinist, was overqualified. And yes. the two of you guys did not jive. No. And there was so, no chance in hell this was happening from the get-go. But. No. And it was to, to play Here Comes the Bride. I mean, it was, to play, right. it was to play the song. And you had this big old school like church organ. Yeah. It had the different levers and knobs and uh-huh. stuff. And so we convinced the mother of the bride that you could use that to <laughs> recreate a very full, rich version of Here Comes the Bride. Why could we not tell her no? I still don't understand why this was. Because you don't tell her no. Oh, that's true. Um, she had a strong will, shall we say. She still does. So, yeah. so, um, so, but what we did was we put you up on this little stage, <laughs> and, I had, and I had a CD with Here Comes the Bride that I had gotten <laughs> off the internet, and when it came time to go, you sat up there and... Dur, dur. <laughs> And I hit play, and oh. nobody knew. Nobody knew. Those poor people. Oh, we did it. Are they still married? No. Oh. No, actually not for five or six years now, huh. I think, at least. Well, this might have been foreshadowing. Yeah. No, but it was it was brilliant. It was brilliant. It was such a bold move. If it had skipped or something, it would have been, yeah. like, it would have been like a Millie Vanilli moment during a wedding. Big <laughs> wedding. Oh, man. Yeah, that was good times. Yeah, <laughs> I'd forgotten all about that. Okay, we're horrible. Okay, people. so um, uh, we're coming up to the end here. Okay, uh, let's see. Any last questions I forgot to ask? Um, um, what would your fourteen-year-old self think of who you are today and where you are? I think I kind of know the answer based on what you were talking about back at the beginning. I think my. I'd like to think I'm 
self-aware enough to be not as big as a douche as I was just not even five years ago. Um, I was a very pudgy, nerdy, awkward kid. So I don't, in some level, I don't think in my wildest dreams I thought I would have gotten to where I am now. Like it's, it's kind of surreal. I, I haven't really thought about that. That's a great question. That's what, usually that's the kind of our last question, or it's it's become our sort of penultimate question. Um, so the new one that we've added is so, so imagine your three songs. Okay, you have to pick one of them that is something that by picking it you will guarantee that it will live in on into the future. That people will always be aware of that song. It won't fall out of uh, you know uh-huh. whatever. The other one you have to make it disappear from existence. Okay. And then the third one is the only song you ever get to listen to again. It becomes music. So this is like, uh, yes. what is it, Murder, Mary, Kill or something? <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a f- Yeah, too, I was going to but... say, I was going to let you say it. <laughs> Thank you. Now that we've got that on tape. Um, uh, okay, so I'm sorry, we're, we're going to have to do this one at a time. So the first one was... Ensure posterity. Ensure it's it's you know part of the culture. It's not a song that's going to be forgotten. Okay. And then the last one was I have to hear this song it's, forever. It and becomes it. music for you. You don't get to hear any other song but it. Okay, so I guess for the last one, the only song I guess lifeless, ordinary. I like it enough where I could probably it, listen. Well, you, yeah. yeah, it's got enough moving pieces. Exactly. Um. I kind of like the idea of the Dave, 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 you know, beer, 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 living on forever. I feel like it's a time capsule, but I'm guessing that's just for people like you and me who were there and know all the extra behind it. But I don't really want to – I guess we could banish the Pearl Jam song because they have enough other songs. Exactly. That, yeah. Nobody's going to lose their mind over that one song. I don't think that one was a single either. I think it was like – So Pearl Jam song gone. I guess beer, so. Beer, beer, beer forever. Right. And over and over is... Uh, lifeless Ordinary. Lifeless Ordinary. Okay. Uh, three people that you'll recommend that we pursue for this show that you will also share with the show with to help us propagate it. It's oh. just a marketing ploy. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we do get a lot of guests this way. It's, it's become a self-feeding machine. So as I am living in the Tampa area now, there's a guy up there named um, Stick Martin. He co-wrote the theme song with Dave, 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 and he's already been a guest on this show. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Yeah, him and Dave made the theme song. Well, good for them. Yeah. I had him on my uh, stick on my- He's great. I've had them both on. He and I had a great time. You know, he was a carny. He grew up as a carny. I, that makes a lot of sense like, now. Like, lo, like full on, like family traveling around, like Stick was a carny until he was 15 or something. Gotcha. Because, yeah, he, get, he has set up to, on a quick aside, as I'm sure you've talked about, it's like this giant, like, loops and all this. He's so talented. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, there's a, a great violin player uh, also in that area named Re- Rebecca Zapin. She would be good. Okay. Uh, just to make him suffer, have you had Ryan Warner on yet? I have. We did Ryan Warner. That's right. We did do. You did do Ryan. We Warner. did listen to that. We one. did Ryan Warner. Yeah, from Chicago. I mean, from uh, Colorado. From Denver. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was great. Uh, okay. Got to talk about sliding down slides out of airplanes. You're now learning that I don't listen to these that's your okay. episodes as often as yeah, I should. No, that's okay. <laughs> uh, We've only got so much time to listen to stuff. I understand. You've done Val- Valerie Alker. Yep, done Val. You did Jerry Jackson, I think. No, didn't do Jerry Jackson. That's a great might, idea. Yeah, there you go. That's a great idea. Okay, Jerry Jackson. Um, violinist. Violinist, Jerry Jackson, you need a third one. Did you do Glenn Sabatka? You know, I'm trying to get Glenn, but he doesn't want to leave his house right now. Okay. And plus, you know, calling up Glenn to talk about the show took me an hour and 40 minutes. He is a talker. He's a talker. It'd be a long episode. It'd be a very long episode. Yeah, but he's he'd be a great episode. I'm going to get him one of these days. We're just going to have to wait. Okay. I don't know. You kind of know all the pe- same people I know. So well, anybody, not... like, they don't have to be around here. They could be anywhere. Oh. Well, then, then you should try to get Dan Byrne on. I think he'd be into it. I, I've invited Dan Byrne on. Yeah. I mean, we, we, haven't, his we, people. Have, we yeah. haven't sorted it out yet. No, Dan. I mean, I... Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm Facebook friends with him. He follows me <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> well, there, there's that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you should swing for some heavy hitters. Oh, yeah, I, I'm trying. I'm working on it. I've I got... would be fascinated to hear Donald Trump's three songs. Oh, my God. You know, I don't think he could do it. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Does he listen to music? And I don't mean this. I'm, well, I, I, I don't mean this to be yeah, yeah, partisan right. or political. Yeah. I just don't. I, my genuine sense, though, is is that he does not bond his memories to music in a way that we use for this show. Well, and I can't even like think of a song he would listen to, like Obama, George W. Bush, yeah. even H. W. Bush. I could link. You know, Bill Clinton yeah. had Fleetwood Mac. Like they. My dream guest for this show from the beginning has expressly been Barack Obama because I feel like he would get it. Like I feel like oh, if totally. we, if, I feel like if somebody whispered this show concept in his ear, he would stop and go. I'll do that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, he puts out those playlists every once in a while. Right. Of So, okay. Well, then you can recommend him as your third. <laughs> I think, well, he is from... I actually met him long before he was president in Springfield, Illinois, when he was Barry. Wow. <laughs> he, um, Yeah, he'd be great. And I do, I'll tell you off air, but I do have a, a you know, relatively big get that's, I'm, that's in the works right now that I can't talk about yet. Oh, so this is all going in, is what you're saying. Oh, yeah. No, we're still doing the podcast. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Okay, well, that's the end, Hap. Thank oh, you thanks. so much. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Good talking to you. Bye. Okay. We make three song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Callaghan is online content producer and sometimes hosts. Chris Duff is his executive producer. Our theme song was made by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. For this week's parting tune, we're going back to my house in the early days of YouTube to the Gonzo music video we mentioned that begins with a roughly two and a half minute long close-up of a cat sitting on a kitchen counter while someone covers Bob Dylan's Queen Jane approximately. That someone is Dave 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 Cowan. He knew we were recording because Hap was the mic stand, but had no idea why I was just sitting there filming the cat on the other side of the room. I didn't either really, just went with it, and it turned out pretty good. And he jokes his most viewed video on the internet, it's got about 120,000 views now, is two-thirds cat close-up. You can watch it yourself, just find the link in the post for this episode, and there are plenty of other Gonzo music videos there too. Won't you come and see me, Queen Jane? Now when all of your advisors heave their plastic, at your feet to convince you of the pain and the truth to your conclusions should be a little bit more drastic won't you come see me Queen Jane won't have commissioned died in battle or in vain and you find yourself sick of all this repetition won't you come see me Queen Jane won't you come and see You turn your other cheek to Throw down their bandanas And complain And you want somebody You don't have to speak to Won't you come see me Queen Jane Won't you listening. Next time on Three Song Stories. Yeah, I'm, I'm planning to retire off of this somehow. I'm not quite sure how it works, but I've been promised. <laughs> <laughs>